Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. This episode is brought to you by Rideon Optics. Rideon makes amazing scopes, optics, and accessories. As the owner of the X1 Primal 4x16x44, I can tell you right now that I absolutely love it. Show our law enforcement and vets some well-deserved love and check out Rideon's website. Honestly, everything over at Rideon is super cool and we're excited to have them as a sponsor. So go to rideonoptics.com and check them out. That's R-I-T-O-N optics.com. If you are a fellow nomad and want to take your health and strength to the next level, join our Nomad Strength Tribe, our online community. We are constantly updating it with exclusive content for you. We've got behind the scenes of the podcast, training videos, articles, networking, coaching opportunities, and a ton more. Go to tribe.nomad-strength.com. We try to make it worthwhile, so I really try to over-deliver. It's only 15 bucks a month, and you get a free week trial to check it out, but I already know you're going to love it. So head on over to tribe.nomad-strength.com and learn more, and I hope to see you in there. All right, everybody, welcome to the last episode of the Nomad Strength Show for 2021. This is kind of crazy. Uh, it's almost been a full year since the show kicked off here in a couple of months. It won't be the year mark. Um, but I wanted to do something a little different for this solo show that we're closing out the year with. And rather than do some clips from the top five shows in terms of like downloads, I just wanted to highlight my favorite five clips from all of the shows that we did this year and uh, some of them are some of the actually you know if we're looking at numbers lesser downloaded ones but uh, they were just great conversations and they were awesome awesome clips that they just all of them stuck with me after uh, recording and so I wanted to just highlight those and then you know you I can encourage you guys to go back and listen to those whole episodes again uh, they were all great episodes all of them are great episodes uh, but 
these these clips were ones that really stuck out to me the most. And so I wanted to highlight five of those for this last show of the year. And then we're firing up, getting ready for 2022. So uh, this first one that we're going to kick everything off with was uh, kind of a recent, more recent show. Um, back in October, I did a second round with my buddy Brandon Lilly to do sort of a tribute show to our buddy Terrence Mitchell, who passed away a little over a year ago now. Um, but when we recorded this, it was actually on the anniversary of his passing. And so there was a lot of emotion in this whole episode, but there was a couple of really good clips. Uh, I mean, I could have clipped this entire episode and put this one up and just reposted this. But uh, this clip specifically was one uh, that meant a lot to me because it was the conversation going back and forth with, you know, what was the impact that Terrence had on the two of us, you know, individually. And so we got to share a little bit of our experiences, but this was a, I think a shortened version of that entire conversation, but this was a really good one. So let's dive in with this first clip uh, from the episode with Brandon Lilly talking about our buddy Terrence. Brother, I'm wrecking out. I am beat been a quite an active day for me we'll speak tomorrow have a fantastic rest of your afternoon and evening mm-hmm. on the back end of it you know i'm going to tell you this is what we're doing because this is what i know you want but i'm going to sneak in the stuff that i know you need too <laughs> you know what well, i mean well i think that um you know there, there's other personalities out there that that i will say uh and one we've talked about very recently that are doing the kind of work from the understanding that human beings as an organism adapt really, really well. So if you give a high adaptation point, um, you're going to get some pretty magical response. Like if you can commit to giving to something, not just finishing it, you know, there's a difference. Like there are some people that will take Terrence's workouts and finishing is the pinnacle, like just getting through it. But I would challenge you the next time that you do that workout or do something similar to push a little bit harder and then push a little bit harder and what you end up getting is you just really become this this different person. I mean, I would argue that most people in the throes of depression haven't really equated something to a victory in a very, very long time. You know, like it's not very victorious to, to drive to town and get a fast food meal. You know, it's, it's, a victor- it's a victory if you get up and you cook something yourself, or it's a victory if you make it through a workout. So... I think that that was the cool thing about Terrence's workouts is they were completely scalable. Like if you just need to get through one round and that's your win, mm-hmm. do one round of this, mm-hmm. take as long as it takes, but finish it and then come back in the next time to get two or three or whatever it is. Um, ultimately until it's like, okay, we're going to push this time when we do 500 Hindu squats, we're going to see how fast we can do it. And that's just it. I mean, that really is the mirror right there. How willing you're hard to push when it doesn't really get put on display, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's what any good coach can get from someone is the, the respect that I know where you are. I know where we can get you, but you've just got to start stacking W's Mm -hmm. and, you know, to kind of lend to the plus one mentality. Every single situation we have is a plus one or minus one. You know, you're either getting closer to your financial dreams or you're getting further away. You're getting closer to your health goals or you're getting further away. Like, you know, do you do you eat the bun on the burger or do you take it off? Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, you can have the burger, but just, <laughs> you know, try to do the wins and get the things right. done that you need to do when you need to do them and start stacking them. And that's, that's very much what Terrence understood was 
he could give you a workout that would break you down, but you've got to come back tomorrow. And that was the point that you made is, is like you get excited once you start winning again, you know, it's mm -hmm. infectious. And that's what creates the momentum. Like mm -hmm. I mean, stacking, stacking wins. That's what that is. I mean, and that's how you make change over time rather than like, I'm just going to melt myself in these workouts for a week and then I'm not going to be able to like, I'm going to do them as prescribed, even though I've never trained now I can't move for two weeks and I'm, and I'm ticked. So I was like, what was the point of this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like jujitsu, you know, I can, yeah. you can go in there for three months and you can improve, but you still suck. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and people just need to be realistic with themselves. You didn't get a hundred pounds overweight overnight. You're not going to lose a hundred pounds overnight. Um, equal in equal out like if it, it was a really long slow process like that's the other thing too that terrence was really good about was you know he didn't it was a 30 days of discipline but that was like yeah so you'll see that it works and then it's forever you <laughs> it's know not, it wasn't it's not done in 30 it days. wasn't like 30 days and then okay the brakes come off it's like if you do it strictly for 30 days your life will improve all right, the second clip that we're going to highlight in the five clips of the year uh, episode or show or whatever we're going to call this one, my favorite five clips, shortened, you know, sound bites, whatever. Uh, they're all going to be a few minutes. But the second one comes courtesy of the conversation that I had uh, with my buddy Jesse Phillips. And uh, this was a really, uh, this was one of my favorite uh, conversations that I had all year. Actually, there was just a lot of, uh, real talk in it. And if you know, or follow Jesse at all, that's really what he is. He's, he's does the real talk real well. And so, uh, we were talking a lot about at this point of the conversation, we were just coming out of all of the mess with the debacle in Afghanistan that happened in the late summer. And Jesse being former military, former Marine, uh, had some very, very important thoughts about it and, and ones that were very meaningful. And it all came down to leadership and truth and, and what do we find in truth? And so that was where this clip is. So go ahead and enjoy this clip with Jesse. A good leader, someone that knows his stuff and, and is in it for the right reason, doesn't mind being questioned. If you know, if, if you're in a good place and you're not trying to BS anybody, and somebody under you asks a question, you will gladly answer it. Especially if you've got nothing to hide. It's when you right? get, <laughs> yeah, right. But when you start, when you can't even question, that's where it. That's what makes all my my radar go off. And so, you know, the Lord says, "The truth will set you free." Okay, that's. He says, you will know the truth if you search for it. And when you find it, it'll set you free. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to like the truth. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to feel good or taste good. Usually it's not a fun thing. Truth is usually not the thing that we want to like hang on to because it doesn't make us feel good right away. But if you get there, it will set you free. And that comes from the creator himself. That's He is the creator of freedom. He is the creator of liberty. That's God, the creator of all things. Now, the opposite side, the thing that is deception and deceiving is the dark side. And I'm convinced that if you start, if you start questioning 
and looking for truth on any level. If you're colorblind and you tell your friend, you've always thought the sky was green and somebody tells you that it's blue. Like if you start searching that out and doing your own research and trying to figure out, all right, what, what really, what color is really the sky? Like I'm, I'm looking for the, that amount of little bit of truth. If you seek it truly with an open heart and you're trying to find it at the end of your search, if you continue a life of that, you will find Jesus Christ in my opinion. So that's where I come. That's where my, uh, what's the word? Tenacity and fervent heart is with defending freedom on every level and liberty on every level, not just the big ones, not. So my lines in the sands a lot isn't, it, it's a lot closer than most people's is because right. I see it as an attack against, from the dark side against the light. Anything that tries to take liberty or freedom from you on any level comes from the dark side. That's not from Christ. That's not from the creator. And anything that tries to subdue or put a dampen on or hide truth is not from the right side. It's all just deception. And so if you're told not to question and you're told to be censored and to just be a good little boy and do what you're told and not ask any questions, that is not coming from the creator, the force out there. That's coming from the other side. So. All right, so this third clip that we're going to listen to, and I say third like I ranked these. These are just the order that I put them in. They're not ranked five to one. These are just my five favorite. But this one is uh, with my one of my professors and the owner of the jiu-jitsu school that I attend here in town, Sam Campanella. This was actually one of the most downloaded episodes that we did. And uh, this, this clip that I'm going to play is him breaking down what true jitsu is, which is the affiliation that came out of Bakersfield, uh, that our school is an affiliate for and why uh, the way that they teach is important, especially when you're when you're looking at it from a self-defense standpoint. But, you know, understanding leverages and understanding, you know, it, in real world, not everybody's the same size like you would be competing in a weight class and why that can be important to understand uh, more the mind game part of jujitsu and being smart with it, playing chess uh, rather than just being a, a bulldog. And so this was a really cool one to, to hear him break down all this stuff. So this is with Sam Campanella. And so the system that they kind of created, like this, mm -hmm. the true jitsu thing, which right. is what the affiliate that, right, that right. you guys have is, what is that kind of like? Because from what I've gathered, like you reach these points after basically kind of, from what I gather, it's kind of like after purple. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. Like that's where you can kind of start, like you know enough to kind of develop your own little right. flair to some stuff sure. is around there. And so how did that come from like, creating your own little flair to like branching into a whole sort of system from that. Right. So uh, I get this question all the time and uh, anybody who's listening can, you know, you can go on the, the true Jitsu revolution website and just yeah. kind of read all about it, but it's almost like a grassroots movement. Okay. Uh, for those of you that don't know much about the history of jujitsu, Helio Gracie, you know, the, the original Gracie, I guess you could, so to speak, Yeah. Um, you know, him and Carlos, they weren't, they weren't big imposing figures. Yeah. Uh, Healy was kind of frail, to be honest with you. I mean, he was skinny, mm -hmm. wasn't a big guy. Um, so when, when he learned, you know, Japanese jiu-jitsu, Japanese jiu-jitsu is more judo physical based. Okay. Very, very, you know, physical, you got to, you know, physically fit, very, yeah. very rugged and raw. Whereas the Brazilian aspect of it, Healy was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not big and buff. Yeah. Right. So, you know, how do I use leverage and proper positioning and using my brain? You know, how do, how do I become more of Yoda mm. and master this and less of the Hulk? 
Okay. And that's really what, you know, in a, in a, in an oversimplification of what jujitsu is, because we could be here for hours kind of talking about sure. it. That's really what it is. It's how do I use the proper leverage angles, body positioning to gain the advantage over somebody who's like a big grizzly bear. Right. And you train at 208, we have no shortage of big That's guys. pretty much the whole 5 a.m. class. <laughs> pretty much like every class. I am the smallest dude in that class right. almost every morning. Right, right. So <laughs> how, do you, how do you learn to position yourself properly to gain an advantage or sweep somebody yeah. who outweighs you by 50 pounds or who looks like they live in the weight room yeah. and all they eat is raw steak? Like how do you overcome that? And that's really kind of what the whole purpose of jujitsu is. It's more of the, you know, kind of mastering the mind, you know, mm. uh, understanding angles, understanding body positioning yeah. rather than, you know, which peacock has the brightest feathers. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's plenty of those gyms. You can find yeah. those gyms anywhere. And uh, usually they don't last long. Yeah. They have a very short shelf life. Yeah. Do you <laughs> think that's kind of where it, because it's gotten in the last decade specifically it's just exploded so much like it's just deviated from like what it kind of originally was now there's all these like i don't know watered down versions i guess you could say i don't in my opinion i don't necessarily know that it's a the the growth of the sport that's doing it i think it's the growth of the internet to be honest with you um i think people have realized hey there's a market that i can make money off of yeah um and the the way to sell it the way to make myself rich is to create a personality, mm. right? Um, but it it it, it it's I, I don't want to say it's doing harm because I tell our students all the time. I'm like, hey, you can. There's plenty of content on the internet. Totally. Uh, you just got to consider what you're watching. Like, who's putting this content on? You know, you know, do a little history for yourself prior to, you know, um, you know, watching a video and, and trying to see, hey, can I apply that technique? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who are selling DVDs, selling books, selling stuff online. That, you know, my for anytime I watch a technique, I'll rewind this. Anytime I watch a technique online, and you know, the technique starts out, it's like, okay, I have my opponent in this position, and their arms sticking straight up in the air, and they're on their side. I'm like, <laughs> how'd well, you that, get to this? That's position? great. <laughs> can you show me the twelve steps you got to get to that position so I can actually do that? Right. Um, so, I don't think it's. I think the growth of the sport is good. I think growth in anything yeah. is is you know good for the sport. Uh, you know, I think people open up gyms. Um, with most people want want it to be successful and be an environment people want to train in, but I think the internet um, does more does more of the damage to the sport than anything, and I yeah. think it deters a lot of people away. Yeah, um, because people will watch the UFC and hear the word jujitsu, and they're like, "Well, I'm not going to go in the gym and and do right. that." Right. Right. Exactly. I want to. I gotta. You know, I gotta go to work tomorrow. I can't be. <laughs> you know. Two black eyes and a broken nose. Going to the nose. ER three times a week. Right. Yeah. You know, I can't. You know, I can't do that. I got to pick up my child. I can't have a broken arm. And then they go online and they see these, you know, kind of colorful or charismatic personalities, you know, with the hashtag "Make Jujitsu Violent Again." Like right. you're, de- you're you're losing a giant market. Yeah. Right. Because I'll tell you this: when it comes to the marketing aspect of running a gym, there's always going to be the young athletes. Yeah. The 25 year old guys that you know, women or men. Yeah. That lift weights that look good. That that. There'll always be those people. You know, totally. how, do you, how do you get the families in there? How do you get the kids in there? Totally. Well, I can tell you it's not by saying we're going to make this violent.
All right, the fourth on the list is with my buddy Austin Leg. Uh, this was actually another local one that he was able to come out to the house and hang out and record and tell some awesome stories. And this one was one of my favorite stories told on any of the episodes that we did this entire year. He tells uh, the story of one of his most memorable hunts and it's just awesome. There's no way I need to build it up anymore other than that. So this was a great episode. Go listen to this whole episode too because this one was an awesome conversation. But this specific story is my favorite story that was told the whole year on the podcast. One of probably the most memorable hunts I, I went on was three falls ago probably. So going in, yes, like three years ago. Yeah. I was by myself. I went all day and it it was like a blizzard, man. Mm. It, all day. It just I was soaked. I was freezing. I didn't see a single animal and that I that just doesn't happen to me super often. Mm-hmm. And I was like I was questioning everything about myself. Every skill I had, everything I knew. I was like this sucks. I'm so cold and uh I was going to sleep out on the mountain and the conditions sucked. And I was like, I just can't do this. And I bailed off the mountain. I got back to my truck, you know, in the dark late at night. And I'm like, I'm going home. This sucks. And I started driving out and I hate telling this story. I've I've never told this story in its entire, I've never told this part of this story. Right. That, that like I literally gave up because I was Mm -hmm. like, this sucks. Yeah. And as I'm driving out, I made it probably three or four miles down the road and just had this like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it was like, this is what you love to do. Right. Like, this is why you're here. And uh, I, I stopped the truck and, and had that just like inner dialogue of like, dude, you had one bad day. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Yep. Dry your clothes out, warm up, have a hot meal, you know, sleep at the truck, get out of the snow and do it tomorrow. Yep. And, uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was kind of just like embarrassed mm-hmm. that like I still had that like moment of weakness, mm. but I was like, you know what? Yeah, like yeah, screw this. Like <laughs> I got this. And so um, where that conversation happened, I was like, yeah, I'm stopping right here. Like I, I'm not going any further. I stopped. I I pulled over. I got all my clothes out. I laid them out in my truck. I you know did everything. I slept curled up in a tiny little ball in the back seat of my truck. Mm-hmm. And the next morning was like, let's freaking go, man. Mm-hmm. I was so fired up and, and uh, a little too fired up because I got in. I had about a thousand foot climb, like almost vertical, you know, in the dark. Yeah. I get to the top of the, this ridge and I get to the top right as the as first light starts coming up. I was like, game time, baby. Let's go. You know, <laughs> I'm all fired up. And I reached down to grab my binos and I left my bino harness at the truck. <laughs> so I have no binoculars, no range finder. And I'm like, ah, crap. Like I was a little too fired up this morning. And I was like, that's okay. I got my spotting scope. I like take my backpack off, open up. Like I ditched my spotting scope. Oh my I ditched goodness. my spotting scope because the day before it was all blizzard and it was white out. Yeah. It's like, point. I can't glass more than 75 yards, yeah. or 50 yards. Like what's the point of a spotting scope? Yep. So I had no optics. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> like, here we go again. Another crappy day on the mountain. I'm like, no, Austin, like you can do this. People, people were hunting without optics. Yeah. 
you know, for hundreds of years, yeah. thousands of years. I'm like, yeah. I can do this. So I'm like talking myself like back into it, you know, after my <laughs> second pity party. I'm like, okay, you can do this. Like, and so I just went back to the basics. Yeah. Right. I went back to the basics. I was like, with my naked eye, I can't see over, you know, a certain amount. Sure. So don't waste my time. I'm not going to look yeah. past where I can clearly see. And I was like, okay, what is, what's the behavior I'm looking for? Well, like, and I, and I just started going back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I know? Like, what can I feed off of to, uh, you know, cut out wasted time, wasted steps, and put myself in the best possible scenario? Yeah. And uh, and so sure enough, I was like, okay, the deer are going to be probably coming up these draws and doing it. And so I, I get to a point, and I'm like, this would be a perfect place where I should see some deer. Mm-hmm. And I take my pack off, and I kind of, like, get prone, like, crawl out over this rock and as soon as i get over the rock a doe is like literally five feet from it like we're almost like rubbing our noses on each other i'm like oh my gosh there's a deer and uh you know she does the bull like blow out her nose yep. and stomps and runs off and i'm like oh this is awesome and i'm like watching her bound off and as i'm watching her go all of a sudden i'm like whoa look at all those deer and there's like this whole little you know it wasn't huge it was probably 300 yards across okay this whole draw is just full of does like this is awesome and all of a sudden they start like you know forming into a line and going up and over the ridge that i'm on and i'm like okay there's some bucks in here yep and so i you know i have my naked eye and so i'm like squinting hard trying to like hyper focus my eyes on trying to find antlers and like there's a little buck there's a little buck there's a little buck and i grab my rifle and i get it set up on this rock and i'm looking through my rifle like using my rifle scope now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I've identified some bucks. Now I just got to find which one. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And finally I'm like, there's just nothing that great. And they all go up and over and, and gone. And I'm like, man, that was awesome. I just proved to myself yeah. I can do this. And as I'm like telling myself I can do this, I hear something down below and I look in like way, you know, 300 yards behind the rest of all those deer, this you know, cagey old buck is just slowly walking his way up. No other deer around him. And I was just like, this That's is the it, one. man. This <laughs> is it. And boom, game over. And uh, I packed that deer out. And that one really sticks out to me, man, because it was, it's pretty rare that I get down on myself. Yeah. It's pretty rare that I start like questioning and doubting and, and those things. Um, but that hit, that, that, it hit me really hard. And, and it bothered me that I felt like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, it's probably good that I felt like that. Yeah. Because it was humbling. You know, if I feel like every time I go out, I'm going to see deer and have a great experience, like, that's just not real. And so it was good to kind of humble myself, check myself, make myself refocus, rededicate, and then get back out on the mountain. And, and I killed an awesome buck. All right, so this final clip that we're going to play for this episode of Top 5 Clips of the Year actually came another one from one of my, and this one truly is one of my favorite conversations I had all year long. It comes from Coach Luke Day, who's the Director of Strength and Conditioning for the football program at the University of South Carolina. I heard Luke speak at Summer Strong, and he was far and away my favorite presenter of the entire weekend. He just spoke with so much passion and had such great energy, and he was hilarious and uh, told so many good stories. And so I knew that I needed to try and get him on the pod, and it wasn't too much long after that I had him on. So it was an awesome conversation. It went so many great places. He truly is just hilarious in the way that he uh in the way that he tells stories, he's got a great personality to tell stories. And in this clip specifically, we're talking about toughness and, and 
the idea of toughness as it's related to us normally and then how they define it as a metric that can be measured and why they do so. And this goes in some great places. And uh, I know you guys are going to enjoy this clip, but really just go back and listen to this whole episode with Luke because it truly was one of my favorites of the whole year. So that's going to close us out after this clip. Uh, Thank you guys for an amazing 2021. This has been such a fun project and it's only going to get bigger and badder uh, as it gets into the next year. And so thank you for checking this one out and I'll talk to you guys soon. Um, so then, and then toughness is, well, what, what are you saying? What do you look like with your body language? And so, and I tell, we told him this yesterday, this, this body language thing that we're enforcing is not science backed. Like you will breathe better if you bend over, mm-hmm. but we're not going to do it. You will breathe. But if you put your hands on your head, you, if you probably will recover better, but what this toughness, it, it the, it fits under our definition of toughness, which we define as what I'm doing is more important than how I feel is I, I, I am in control of what my body is doing. Like I'm not, if my body's telling me to bend over, I can tell it stop. And so the story we told is like, imagine you were in a boxing match and you and you got cut above the eyebrow and his eyes swelling. And, you know, you get that one minute between rounds and they kind of try, they're doctoring you up and they're putting the, 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 the coin on your eye and they're trying to get swelling down. And imagine you look across the ring and the guy you're getting ready to go into round eight with just kicks the stool out of the ring and just stands there and stares at you for one minute. You'd be like, oh, shit, this is, he's going to kill me this next round, right? <laughs> now, physiologically, it would have made more sense if he sat down and he rested mm-hmm. and he and he drank some Gatorade and he spit in, the, spit in the bucket and all that. But now he's like, this guy has just brought himself into submission. I'm next. Right. So that's mm-hmm. that's why our body language is is the de- is a is a manifestation of are we tough? And so uh and, and our guys were like, that that makes total sense. That's why, okay, all right, I have to bring myself under submission. And so the other thing is we are getting so, do not underestimate how sophisticated we are about making things more comfortable for ourselves. Right. So somebody went out and researched posture of fatigue and found out, oh, you know, when you bend over, you actually can get more oxygen so that you can say that I don't have to confront that kid to stand up anymore because scientifically it's actually better if he bends over. I'm like, yeah, I get it, but it's easier for me to not confront him about it. Mm -hmm. So we, we, and that to me is that that's my big issue. Listen, I'm not a get off my lawn curmudgeon guy, but like <laughs> this, this whole deal with like tech in, in the training and like, oh, auto regulation and he's fatigued state. And he's like, yes, yeah, so what? Yeah. So you're okay, go. This is going to hurt more today. Right. You know what I mean? But we, we at the and the same deal at the the root of you know wearable tech and are you recovered and recovery based training and all that is comfort. Mm-hmm. But the root of it is comfort because honestly, you know, it, it, 
the fact that like performance is really being threatened, we don't, we rarely get to that state. Yeah. You know, especially yep. in power sports, most people, maybe, you know, ultra marathoners are like, Hey, you need to actually eat because this is an actual, you will physiologically fall apart where most of mm -hmm. us are eating because we are uh, psychologically hungry, but not physiologically hungry. Right. You know, so I, we got to make sure we got to be very discerning with this, with, with tech. It's like, Oh, we're fatigued back everything off. And it's like, no adapt. Yeah. Deal with it. And not to because, mention and, how, and yeah. And not to mention how often that stuff is just wrong anyways, because it's technology. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. I heard, I heard sure. uh, Kelly Starrett tell a story that he was working with. Um, I think she's a, a cyclist that he said is she's just young and she's like, kicking everybody's butt on the world stage and she's wearing like a whoop or something like that and mm -hmm. like day of a heavy training session she wakes up and the thing says you had like 52 percent recovery you need to take it easy today and she looked right at him she's like nope that's wrong i feel fine we're gonna go like you know sometimes they're just you know we, yeah. we rely on the numbers right. or this external thing instead of how we're actually feeling and just overcoming that like you said yes 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 and then like what is the point of training if not to overcome? <laughs> like, that's right. kind of why we're there. But now, because it's hard, we're inventing ways to tell us it's okay not to overcome. We're inventing, we're paying massive amounts of our budget to show, hey, you know, now, this is, and I get it, I'm, this is a, uh, an easy, you know, low-hanging shot at something, because there are people that, you know, I had a I had a conversation with Tommy Moffat, and he was like, the kid's force plate numbers were were dropping, and so was his bar speed and all that. And the only thing that we hadn't tried yet was he needed more training, and so they did that, and it went up. And mm. so I was like, thank you. It's not always, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, we need more nap pods, and come on, <laughs> man. Like you know, so there is. We just, I'm just saying. Don't throw, don't throw away your, your perch or whatever you have. That's not what I'm telling everybody to do. Don't throw away your Apple watch and your whoop man, but just have some discernment. That's all I'm saying. And, and humans in general, I mean, especially athletes, but humans in general are far more uh, resilient and That's able right. to handle a lot more than they think they can just in, you know, just in any case, uh, it doesn't even have to be an athlete, but you, people would, very likely be surprised at how much loaded volume they can actually handle when it comes to even something like training, but anything else, but just in the training example, for sure. Yeah. But you said it, we're as resilient as we think we are. Right. Yes. So the key. <laughs> we are, we are deuces like we're as, we're as, we're as hungry as we think we are. We're as tired as we think we're as stressed as we think we are. We're as anxious as we think we are. Because everywhere you go, there you are. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Uh, you know, it's it's that that to me that stuff's fascinating. So it's like, no, we don't need to adjust training. We need to adjust the way you think about training. Mm. Yeah, and then we're good. <laughs>